All right, we're in Exodus chapter 18. I invite all of you to open up either the Bible that you brought with you, and I would highly recommend that you bring your Bible to church, or the Bible under the seat in front of you to Exodus chapter 18. Exodus chapter 18, we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 27. Father, I pray your blessing upon this time in your word. I thank you, Lord, that we can learn such profound, wonderful theological truth from your word. And on the other hand, Lord, I thank you that we can learn such practical truth. Truth that we can apply into day-by-day living. And I ask, Lord, that you would make us wiser. In our responsibilities in the church, in the community, where we work, at school, Bless this time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Moses had a tough job. He was the leader of a nation of two million plus. He's their king. He's their president, their shepherd, their prophet. And he's responsible to lead this nation across the wilderness, out of Egypt, into the promised land. Tough job. Moses was a very good leader, though. He was called by the Lord. He was anointed. Awesome. One of the most revered leaders in the history of Israel, even to this day. Yet even Moses, at the ripe old age of 80, 81, had some very important lessons to learn about leadership. As we see in our passage this morning, look at verse 13. It says, And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses how long? From morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he had did for the people, he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me. And I judge between one and another. And I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it. By yourself. So the children of Israel have arrived at Mount Sinai in their journey. They've encamped at the base of Mount Sinai. They're settling in there. And Moses gets a special visitor. 
his father-in-law, Jethro, comes to visit. He brings his daughter, Moses' wife, Zipporah, and their sons, Gershom and Eliezer. So this is an awesome family reunion. The wife and sons of Moses had stayed with their father-in-law, with dad back in Midian. While Moses was doing his work in Egypt and bringing them out and across like that, well, now they're back. If you read up earlier in the text, they have a feast together. This is awesome time of getting reacquainted. But then, as it says in verse 13, the very next day, Moses got back to his work. And Jethro, the father-in-law, gets to observe a typical day in the life of Moses. It says in verse 13, he sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So Moses was the judge for the nation. The guy who helped solve problems. Now you got two and a half million people. That's a lot of problems. That's a big caseload. And so every day, people are standing in line from morning to evening just to get some time with Moses. And Moses is waking up every day, first thing, going to hold court from morning to evening. Jethro observes this, and being a typical outspoken father-in-law, has some comments. In verse 14, he says, What is this thing you are doing for the people? Loose paraphrase. Moses, what on earth do you think you're doing? Verse 17, this thing that you do is not good. No bueno, Moses. This is terrible. Now, I don't think he was being an annoying father-in-law meddling into the affairs of his son-in-law. I think he saw a disaster waiting to happen. I think he saw a situation that was broke real bad. And he has very good wisdom. And you and I, as we read the text, we can kind of look on it from the outside, right? And we would all agree with Jethro when he says, uh, verse 17, These people who are with you will surely well yourselves out, both you also, for this thing is too much, for you are not able to perform it by yourself. Moses, too much. Moses, you're going to wear yourself out. You're going to break. You're going to burn out. There's an old Greek motto that says, You will break the bow if you keep it always bent. Moses was bound to break. And the people are worn out. This is one of the worst cases of judicial backlog you can imagine, right? And every one of them has a case. And you know that everyone thinks their case is the most important, right? And every case was important. These needs were not being met in a timely basis. And everyone, this was bad for everyone. And then think of Moses neglecting the most important 
personal relationships in his life. His wife and son just showed up. He hasn't spent time with them for nine, ten months. Moses is out there trying to fix everyone else's problems. And he's going to head his own marriage and family to their own problems. So we agree with Jethro. No bueno. This was not a good situation at all. And here we see a very common problem with leaders. Taking upon themselves an impossible role. Taking upon themselves an impossible workload. Feeling as if everything depends upon them. And that's what Moses was doing. You can kind of see it in his response there in verse 15. Moses said to his father-in-law, the people come to me. To inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another. I will make the statutes of God and his laws known. So I'm the guy. I'm the man. God has called me to this. Now, I don't believe Moses was being prideful here. In fact, I think there's something in this about Moses that we should appreciate. He did feel the weight of that responsibility. He was called. He was good at being a judge. He did have an amazing heart for the people. He's willing to work hard. He's better than other leaders that do nothing. That sit around idle and aloof. From people expecting everybody else to do something. But still, Moses is a good, solid, hard-working man with a good heart, but too much. He was taking on too much. He didn't know his limitations. Somebody needed to sit down with Moses and say, You are not God with an unlimited source of power and wisdom who never sleeps or slumbers. You are a frail servant. Lots of leaders, man, they take it all upon themselves. Maybe where you work, you're a leader or a manager or an owner and you you take it all upon yourself. Or maybe you're the leader in your family, the extended family. Everyone leans on you. And you feel that and you feel like it all depends upon you. A lot of ministers, a lot of pastors will feel that way. Ministry can be very overwhelming. Ministers will want to do everything they can to save everybody. To fix everybody's troubled marriage. To have the right answers to fix every problem in counseling to be at every hospital visitation, to visit every person in the prison, to be at every prayer meeting, to be at every ministry, to be available 24-7 for problems, and then also be good teachers and be a part of everything that church 
would be a part. A lot of ministers feel that. They feel overwhelmed by that. And you know, there's a lot of ministers, their marriages and families fall apart while they're spending all their time fixing everyone else's. No bueno. And you have to come to a moment in your life where you realize you can't share all that. You can't hold all that. Moses would eventually come to that. In in Numbers 11, these are the words from Moses. I am not able to bear all these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. So Jethro has identified the problem. But Jethro has solutions. I like that. Have you ever met the person that finds all the problems? We got another problem. Here comes a problem. Another problem. Bring a solution with your problem. Right? There's all those people. They find all the problems. Jethro has identified a problem. But look at his advice. Look at his counsel. It's awesome. Verse 19. Listen now to my voice, Moses, and I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, Moses, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. Let them judge the people at all times, Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you. But every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. Such wonderful counsel. Notice it. Let's break it down. What did Jethro say? Moses, stick to your God-given priorities. Stay focused on what God has called you to do. And your priority as the leader of this nation, verse 19, is to stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. Pray. Moses, your priority is to pray for the people. And this is in a general sense. Not everyone is they line up waiting to be prayed for. You pray for your congregation. You pray for the nation. You do it in a very general way. This is a very important thing for Moses to do. Prayer is very powerful. God moves through it. But this would also be a daily reminder to Moses of who's really in charge. See, Moses is feeling the weight The people come to me. It shouldn't be that way. The people should go where? 
to God. Moses should be reminded daily. Listen, I am not totally in control here. The Lord is in charge. The Lord is the one who leads these people. Not me. So prayer. Very important. And then what else does he tell Moses to do? Verse 20. You shall teach them the statutes and the laws. Teach them. Moses was to be the teacher for the nation of Israel. And again, this is a teaching in a more general sense, like teaching to a congregation, teaching to a group of people, letting them know the truth so that the truth is known in a general way throughout the nation. Teach the statutes, teach the truths. And then it says in verse 20, you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work that they must do. Show them. Be an example. Moses, Jethro said, here are your priorities. Pray for the people, teach, and show by an example. And stick to it. Don't let anybody take you from that. But what about all the people lined up? What about the cases that need to be heard? Jethro says, delegate. Divide and conquer. Distribute the load. Verse 21 Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. Place such of them over the rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds. Verse 22, let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you. Distribute the load. Appoint people. Admit you need help and get it. Put people at work. Share the load. Jethro says if you do that, everyone will get heard in a timely fashion and nobody will burn out. And everybody will have time with family. Very important. Now notice you can't just select anybody. It's not like you can just pick anyone. He says, select from all the people, verse 21, able men. In Hebrew, that means people that are capable, guys that are able to do it. Pick men such as fear God. These guys have got to be spiritually mature. They have to fear God. They need to be men of truth. They need to hate covetousness. So, You're you're to select some high-quality dudes. They're able. They're spiritually mature. They're not going to be given to bribes and things like that. And then it also says in verse 21, select from all the people. And the idea is 
Select from every sector of your nation, every tribe, every walk of life. In other words, your leadership that you pick should be a good representation of the makeup of your nation. Beautiful. Do that, Jethro says. And that's what leaders must do. And again, here's another problem with a lot of leaders. They don't want to delegate. They want to keep it all. They want to control. They're afraid to let go. They think in their mind, nobody can do it better than me. And so they hold on to every detail. D.L. Moody said, I would rather put 10 men to work than do the work of 10 men. Oswald Sanders said, one definition of leadership is the ability to recognize the special abilities and limitations of others combined with the capacity to fit each one into the job where he will do his best. That's so important. And delegation absolutely works if done right. It distributes the love. There's that old proverb, many hands make light work. Get everyone involved. One of my favorite stories, Herman Ostry's barn floor was under 29 inches of water because of a rising creek. The Bruno Nebraska farmer invited a lot of his friends to a barn raising. He needed to move his entire 17,000-pound barn to a new foundation more than 143 feet away. His son, Mike, devised a lattice work of steel tubing and nailed, bolted, and welded it on the inside and the outside of the barn, and hundreds of handles were attached. After one practice lift, 344 volunteers slowly walked the barn up a slight incline, each supporting less than 50 pounds. In just three minutes, the barn was on its new foundation. 344 people, each lifting a little under 50 pounds. Now, being an engineer who likes math, what if 244 showed up? Not 344, 244. Well, then everyone would have to lift 70 pounds. What if half showed up? Everyone would have had to lift 100 pounds, and it would have been impossible. The power of distributing the load of work. Not trying to lift everything yourself. Jethro said delegate. And then also structure. Organize. I absolutely, this structure is so brilliant. Verse 21, place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. That was organized in such a way that every ten people out of a nation of two million plus had direct access to a judge. Awesome. Every 10 people had somebody to talk to about their civil problems. 
If a ruler of 10 couldn't solve the problem, it could be referred to the ruler of 50, then 100, then 1,000. And after that, it could be referred to Moses himself. Brilliant. Wonderful, practical principles in life. Know your priorities and stick to them. Delegate, organize, structure. Jethro says to Moses in verse 23, if you do this thing and God so commands you, then you'll be able to endure and all this people will also go to their place in peace. Moses, do this, do this. It will make a major difference. Verse 24. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and he did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads of the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of ten. So they judged the people at all times and the hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. That's the structure. Moses implemented it, and it worked. Priorities, delegate, structure. That will make your life a lot simpler. And keep to it. And so that's how the nation of Israel would be organized in the Old Testament. This whole scene here in Exodus chapter 18 also reminds me of an event that happened in the life of the early church when the church was just born. In Acts chapter 6, it says, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So this is right at the beginning of church history. One local church in Jerusalem. The church is growing There's like 10,000 plus people. All sorts of ministry is starting to happen. And what happens? There's a complaint. They have this ministry where they're helping widows out at a table. And the Greek, the Hellenistic Jewish widows thought that they were being slighted. The pure Hebrew-speaking widows were being given more, so they thought. And there's a fight. There's an issue. There's a problem. There's a case. What did the early church do? Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. We will give ourselves continually to what? To prayer and to what? The ministry of the word. It's almost a direct parallel. You got a big problem. It needs to be solved. The spiritual leaders of the church there said, we have priorities. We got to stick to them. Prayer and the word of God. 
This is an issue. It needs to be dealt with. What did they do? They delegated. They selected seven men. By the way, you don't just select anybody. These men had to be of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Solid, mature, spiritual guys. You put them in charge. And this, by the way, is also adding structure and organization. You'll find out the names of these guys later in that passage. And they're called deacons. This is when the office of deacon is invented in the early church. And as you follow the organization of the church as it spreads from Jerusalem across, there's an organization to it. There's a pastor and elders who work together, covering for each other, helping each other, serving the body of Christ, working to help folks spiritually in many, many details. That happens, and then there's also the deacons that also come up, and they help with all of the different other physical ministries, if you will, administrative ministries, if you will. That's the structure of the church. By the way, that's still the structure of the church. The local church. The pastors and the elders are here to spiritually care for people. Me being the main pastor, I'm the teaching pastor. My work, my priorities are prayer and teaching. And I will tell you, it's all I can do just to make that happen. Week in and week out, Wednesday night, Sunday morning. I should also be involved in other things, and I try to be as much as I can, but I have a a group of elders that are supposed to be right there, helping me out, spiritually caring for the people. And we have a good team. And then we have deacons. We don't, I don't call anybody deacon. Don't, don't come up and say, where's my deacon name tag? You're not going to get one. <laughs> or here comes elder so-and-so. I don't even, very often, I just normally respond to Terry, not even Pastor Terry. We're not into titles here. But we are into service. And trying to organize and structure this body so that people get taken care of. It's important. And by the way, there are always a lot of ways to get involved in church. You can't believe all that goes in to meeting needs here. And phone calls that need to be made. And prayer. And all the different things that happen in a local church. A children's ministry, an usher's ministry, all kinds of different things that happen. And I am so grateful. i got to tell you, I am so grateful. We have an army of dedicated volunteers here. It's beautiful. But there's always room for more. There's always room for more. And by the way, when you have leaders in a local church that try to take control of everything, they're doing a disservice. They're ripping off the body of Christ from using their God-given gifts and talents. So, very important. And you could apply all these lessons if you run a business, if you're the owner, if you're the manager. Priorities. What are they? Stick to them. Delegate. Structure, organize. Maybe you're that person in the family that everyone looks to. Hey, listen, 
Set some boundaries. What are the priorities in your life? Which, by the way, should include your own wife and children. Call on people to help. Don't just try to do it all. Delegate. Keep it organized. These are great truths even for, you know, your own personal life. Time management. You as a person. What are the priorities of your life? What are you going to dedicate yourself to? And don't let anything take you from it. Don't avoid all the time killers. You need help. You need people. You need support. You need structure in your life and organization and discipline. Very powerful principles. Moses learned those and Moses implemented those. And I also want you to notice another very important lesson for a leader. Remaining teachable. Remaining humble. Remaining open. Moses is 80, 81 years of age. Now, by that time, you're usually pretty set in your ways, aren't you? And do you always just welcome all the advice from father-in-law? Moses did. In fact, I love verse 27. It says, then Moses let his father-in-law depart. And he went his way to his own land. It's almost like, don't leave. (laughs) You've shown me great stuff. Stay put. Listen. Let people teach you. Be willing to change. Don't become that hardened know-it-all. This is my way or the highway. No, be willing to change. Let me hear, listen to some advice that comes from a seasoned pastor who served in ministry for 50 plus years. This is what he said. This is his quote. He said, my word to those of us engaged in ministry is keep a healthy balance. If you teach, also remain a good student. Be teachable. Read. Listen. Learn. Observe. Be ready to change and change. Admit wrong where you are wrong. Stand firm where you know you are right. Since you are called to be a leader, follow well. You cannot do it all, so delegate. You have a big job to do, let others help you do it. And when they do it well, give them credit. You have a serious work, so keep a good sense of humor. I often say, take God seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. I love that. Good advice for all of us. Speaking of priorities... Without a doubt, for all of us, whether you serve as a pastor, you're an engineer, you work in business or whatever, if you're a born-again Christian, your number one in priority in life should be your spiritual health and your spiritual growth and having a relationship with God and you having that time in prayer 
and Bible study. You gotta have the Lord. You gotta acknowledge that the Lord is in charge of your life and in charge of your business and what you're doing and let him touch every area of your life. Give every area of your life to God. Let him lead you. He'll lead you right into that balance that you need. Let's ask him to give us that balance. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we ask for that balance. Life is so busy. There are so many things that we want to be a part of. There are a lot of things that are pulling for attention. Lord, help us to discern those that are to be the priorities that you want for us in our lives and stick to them. Lord, I pray that we would be men and women of faith who trust in you, who depend upon you. And yet also that we'd be willing to reach out for help. I pray for every member of this local church, that everyone would be willing to to put in, to help, to lighten the load. Lord, give us great wisdom in time management. Lord, make us sharp, disciplined, fruitful, efficient. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, the, the very first step to the best life, the most fruitful life that you can possibly live is to make sure that you are right with God. That you are in a proper relationship with the God who made you and loves you. That you are a member of his family. And that comes only through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins and rose again. His shed blood will wash away all of your sin. And we're all sinners and we need to be forgiven only one way. To be forgiven, and that's through faith in Jesus who paid the price for you. Have you received him? Have you said, Lord, save me, make me a member in your family, take charge of every area of my life? Have you done that? I invite you to do it right now. Right there where you're, where you're sitting, right there in your heart, God will hear your cry. Say, cry out to him. Say, Lord Jesus, I open my heart to you. I want to be a part of your family. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. 
Here's my life. Take every part of it. Man, if you prayed that prayer, the Lord, the Lord will take every part of your life. He'll touch it. Let's stand together.